Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. On this episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, April and Noah Fallon join me to share their incredible journey to adopt their four kids. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. My name's Tim Elder. I'm a dad of three through Infant Adoption. This is the show all about domestic infant adoption because we give you the inspiration and the hope the stories to help you adopt faster with more confidence, less headaches. So thank you for joining me today. Now, if you're just starting the adoption journey or you're considering infant adoption, or maybe you're struggling or overwhelmed on even how to start to find an agency to help you, I want you to know that you're not alone. There is help in choosing an adoption agency. It is one of the first decisions that you can make, but it's also can be one of the most difficult ones. The choices are just they can really feel overwhelming. I mean, there's thousands of agencies to choose from. Each one kind of seems like they're different from the other. And what even makes a great agency? Who do I trust? How do I find a good ethical agency that I can work with? Well, I'm going to help you cut through all that overwhelm and that confusion to not only learn how and where to find infant adoption agencies, but to choose the right one for you, the right one for your situation, the right one you can trust all the way through your adoption journey. So I've created this new guide It's going to help answer all these questions. It's called how to find the right adoption agency in four steps. It's a free resource for you. It's a free guide. It walks you through where and how to find the infant adoption agencies, how to evaluate them, and then how to choose the right one. So just go to findmyadoptionagency.com and you're going to see how to get this free guide. I hope you go over there, findmyadoptionagency.com and you can see how to get that free guide and get started on your journey. So on the show today, we have amazing guests, April and Noah Fallon. Their parents through adoption four times. They just share an incredible up and down journey, emotional roller coaster journey of adopting four times. And some of them uh, fell through on their way to adopt four times. So uh, you're just going to hear the incredible emotional story. It's actually broken down into two parts. We're going to have part one on the podcast today and part two on the next podcast because Their journey is just so amazing. Uh, It's got to be told in two parts, so you're going to really enjoy it. And here it is right now. Uh, Let's get into the interview with April and Noah Fallon. All right, everybody. We welcome to the show today, April and Noah Fallon. They are parents through adoption four times. God bless them. And they host the popular podcast, Adoption Now, where they tell real stories about the joys and challenges of the adoption journey. And they just have parents and families on there that have been through the infant adoption process, international adoption, foster adoption, and just really do a great job of telling these inspirational stories from their perspective and let them have the voice of adoption through their podcast. So I'm very excited to welcome fellow podcasters to the show, April and Noah. How are you doing? We're good. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Lots of challenges in this COVID time that we're in, but uh, you know what? We're hanging in there, trying to be as positive as we can. So thanks, guys, for coming on. I really love your podcast. I uh, just talked about it a little bit there. Just so many stories of, of people, emotional stories, inspirational stories that everybody loves to hear. And I know it's been really popular. I've heard people talk about it in our Facebook groups and stuff. So you all are doing a fabulous job, and I applaud you for your efforts there because... It's much needed in the adoption world. Oh, thank you so much. What I'd like to do is have you guys share your own story. I mean, I, I don't want to go through four adoption stories. It's going to be probably too long. But if you could give <laughs> us some brief versions or highlights of your four adoption stories, maybe some challenges that you faced 
when you're going through those. I'd love to hear that. Oh gosh, you're right. It would be quite a while. <laughs> It'd be like we don't have a two-hour show. Parts. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you've listened to our podcast, we always talk about how we said yes to many children, many private infant adoptions that fell through, ones that were successful, and the journey changed our complete outlook on adoption, changed our lives, uh, gave us more compassion and understanding. And I think that for us, it's just been so eye-opening to see the adoption world differently than just, oh my gosh, you're bringing home a baby. (laughs) People think that maybe the baby was delivered right on our doorstep and then we found the baby in a basket and we adopted that baby and everything is perfect, right? Not so much, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) and really what we found is it was really challenging and it was really expensive and it was really hard and we said yes to seven seven yeah babies and it doesn't always turn out the way that you would think and and so we started the process three years after we were married we knew we wanted to adopt first so we did not go through the infertility journey that many people do first. We we just set out to bring home a child. I had lived in Uganda, Africa for three years, and so I felt like adoption was already on my heart. Noah already had adoption in his family. Yeah, I have two siblings that are adopted, and so it was really close to my heart and what I wanted to do to start a family. In fact, when we were dating, I said, don't marry me. I'm going to adopt my children. <laughs> it was like, this is the end of the date. It was only like the second date, too. It was a Ooh. scare tactic to get me to, to run away. That's but little right. did she know that that was basically what I was thinking as far yeah. as starting family as well. So yeah, it backfired awesome. on her, thankfully. <laughs> thankfully. I kind of thought he was making it up. He's like, no, I have adopted brother and sister. I'm like, yeah, right. Made up. But it's true. And and that's really important, too, is that we were both on the same page. And not only that, my in-laws were also on the same page. You know, we got our family members to support us. And during our journey, that is what has really pulled us through, is having an understanding together that we're in this to win it and that our family understands that this is important to us. And, you know, and they went through all the questions that all families ask. Why are you paying so much money? Mm-hmm. How can this happen? Should you get a better lawyer? You know, all the things that they want to help you with that aren't really that helpful because, you know, with adoption, there's just sometimes no relief or answers for why things are happening. And and it, it, not every adoption journey is the same, you know. So you, one person um, could understand it this way, like his parents adopted overseas they did not understand some of the things that we said yes to or that we were going through. So even in the midst of the support, it was challenging. But nevertheless, we had the support system and we agreed. I think that that is the number one step to to starting the process. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So Noah, you already knew that you wanted to adopt or you just were like, embrace, you embraced it quickly because of the, your two siblings that were adopted? No, I knew that I wanted to adopt. I had spent not quite the same amount of time. I'd gone on shorter term trips, but to a lot of third world countries and really had a heart for, you know, kids who are uh, at risk or not as fortunate. Um, And so that was something when we first sat down and started talking, it wasn't 
she had to sit down and say, this is what we're doing. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe, you know, it was something that I, I actually probably would say, I thought it would be the same response back, right? Yeah. If I were to sit down with somebody I'm dating and say, hey, look, I just want you to know, and I want to start a family the traditional way, my expectation would be that she would run away. Right. But I didn't. We were meant to be <laughs> three, three years in. We decided we are going to start the process. Um, we found, an, I mean, we found out it was very expensive. We first wanted to go overseas, but that was like $40,000. Remember yeah. that? We wanted yeah. to, um, you know, go. I don't know, yeah, yes. We were looking at Kazakhstan when we first started. We could not believe how expensive it was. Then we were like, okay, let's do private infant adoption, which, as you know, is not very much cheaper these days. But we did find a, a small agency that uh, did adoptions for $9,000. Mm-hmm. Can you believe that? Wow. No, I can't believe that. That's that's incredible. It was a very, very small agency. They didn't do a lot of placements. We didn't know what questions to ask in the beginning anyways. We just were so blind. You know, you really should ask how many placements <laughs> do you do a month? Um, you know, because you could be waiting on a list forever if they only do one placement a year. That's right. You know, and really our agency was probably only doing two or three a year. They've been around for 30 years though, but it was like typewriters. Yes, they were old ladies that had <laughs> <Yeah>. typewriters. <laughs> when we asked them to fax things, they were like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> but they told us you will be waiting on this list for a very long time. Mm-hmm. We we wanted to go outside of our race. We knew that. And, and that's just because we had traveled around and that was just our heart. Yeah. And they said, you know, you're in Colorado, so you will wait a very long time. And that was okay. We're like, you know what? We will just go camping. I always tell people, if you really want to bring home your baby, plan a big trip because that's when your baby's coming. <laughs> so we did. We, we planned a trip, and we were ready for that three years. And two weeks after our home study, we got this call about this baby in the hospital. Um, but it was not a happy call. Mm. We thought we were happy. But, but she called us and said, there's a baby in the hospital, a baby boy, and it's great. But um, he has a brain condition, they think. And they don't think he'll ever walk, talk, so you're here. I didn't hear any of that though, Tim. I was like, I just heard baby in the hospital and I was so excited and I was just like throwing things in my car and like calling my friends. Yeah. It was a Wednesday Wednesday afternoon. I I do remember it because she called me and she said that and I thought, Oh my goodness. Wait, 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 hold on. Hold on. (laughs) What did you just say? Like all the details were there. Uh, But we said, we said, okay, well, Let's we, go meet him. Yeah, we got to go at least to the hospital. Yeah. Little boy. So we go to the hospital, and he's so cute. Oh, my goodness. And and I really felt like he could see. I didn't know about anything else, but I was like, I feel like he's looking at us. <laughs> I didn't know anything about babies. <laughs> and so we brought him home. It was, a, you know, everybody was very somber at the hospital, kind of like we're so sorry, hmm. um, you know, this is such a young couple. They, the nurses were saying, do you think they are going to even take him home? This is such a young, happy couple, and they're taking home this severely special needs child. Uh, you know, our parents came to help us, and we had a series of tests that we had to go through in the first couple of weeks. And I remember uh, saying to the doctor, should we even have hope? 
I mean, they don't really know, right? It's not like confirmed that he has, you know, this issue with his brain. And she said, well, you know, we're, we think so, but you have hope. I remember saying have hope. And, and the social workers were like, don't have hope. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what it is. But we did the testing and two weeks later, two weeks later, two weeks later, we get a call to come in. We had to uh, check for his eyes. We had to do MRI and blood. we go blood test and everything. We go and we see the eye doctor first and she's looking at the notes and she says, you know, I think you should not see me. I think you need to go to your doctor, your pediatrician, which was in the same building, Children's Hospital. So we go to see the pediatrician and she looks at us and she says, I am not an emotional person, but when I saw these results, I was at home and I screamed and she said, my kids come in the room because I'm not emotional. So like, they're like, mom, what is going on with you? What's happening? And she said, I, I can't believe it, but this baby's going to be okay. His brain is absolutely mm. formed perfectly. He is missing part of his septum, and usually the brain will grow together. But in this case, we don't know what's happened. We think this child is going to be absolutely perfect and live a normal life. Yeah. And that was a really big challenge in our faith. And just saying, you know, all right, God, this is in your hands, and we've been told that from a physical perspective and from a formational perspective, the likelihood of him being able to really have a productive life was very, very slim. But we really felt like God spoke to us and said, you know, we we have to have this faith uh, that, and April had a little bit of a different story than I do, but it was really cool because God spoke to us differently. I had a dream of my son's name is AJ. I had a dream of him older. And he's wearing these thick bottle cap glasses playing baseball, which if you know anything about him, he doesn't need glasses. But <laughs> it just was this confirmation for me that he's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I had all this experience in Africa. And, you know, I, I don't have stories like this. Like, I don't want to sound like a total loon. But... In the midst of getting the MRI, I just remember just crying out to God, and, and I felt like God said to me, you sacrificed your life for three years in Africa for children that were not yours, for other people, and I am going to answer your prayer mm. for this little boy, and he will be your son. And so it was just, it really brought our faith together. We were amazed. We enjoyed AJ so much. I mean, this baby rolled over almost immediately after we got the you know diagnosis that he was going to be okay. It's like he then did a trick and rolled over and was like, yes, I'm fine. <laughs> he walked early. Oh, I mean, wow. if you know AJ, if you listen to the podcast, he's on there and oh, yeah. he's adorable mm-hmm. and funny. He is a star basketball player. And we're not just saying that because we're his parents, but he is very <laughs> gifted. And, you know, sometimes I sit at his games and I just cry and people are like, you must be proud because you love him. And I'm like thinking, no, I'm crying because they said he would never walk. Yes. And this kid is throwing three-pointers at eight years old. You know, so that to us was like, adoption's amazing. You know, this has been an amazing experience. We just want to keep adopting. Yeah. And, and his faith, too, even to this day, is uh, like he was definitely put into our lives mm-hmm. to increase our faith. Mm-hmm. That just puts a smile yeah, on my face listening to that. That's just so cool. 
of a walking miracle there. That's just yeah, awesome. So that that so starts shaping your <laughs> your thoughts of adoption as you're heading into your you're building your family, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So then we decided we were going to try again, and we faced the thirty thousand um, dollars. We knew our agency. We went on the list again, but we knew they were placing not very many babies a year. So we decided to look to open up our possibilities. So we went to the foster care system um, and we had someone call us. And this is, if you've heard our podcast, you know that this is the fall through where mm-hmm. kind of everything changed for us. We, <laughs> we get, we got gritty. If you know what I mean? I mean, once you're in the community for mm-hmm. a while, you start to realize that things aren't as maybe easy or flowery. Yeah, rosy. Rosy, rosy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the mom was abusing this child, but she did pick us to take her child and we took him to the hospital. And when she found out that we were about to find out that she had been abusing him, she wanted him back. And so she came to the hospital. She ended up um, not getting him because she had been starving him. So they found that he was, he was nine months old. He had been eating buttons. Um, they viral notebook. Yeah, oh it was really crazy and they had to do surgery and, so she did not get him back, but what we were surprised about is that they weren't going to let us adopt him. But now she was resisting, and so the state of Colorado wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt that in nine months she could pull her life together and and bring him home. And we we, we just couldn't believe that. At that mm-hmm. point, we knew little about birth mothers, first of all. Secondly, um, we just felt like in a case of that kind of abuse, should somebody get a second chance? And that's a question that, um, you know, we don't necessarily have the answer for in every situation. But for us, it was the first time we were like, wait a second, this can't be right. No, you know, and she signed the paperwork over and this should be our son. And, you know, what are the rights for birth parents? And we really started to learn the hard way that um, a lot of times reconciliation is what they go for. Now, the child stayed in foster care for years. She ended up being diagnosed with schizophrenia. Um, she stole her kids that she had other children that she stole. And we found that out because we all got an Amber alert. And when we saw her name, we're like, Oh my goodness. Like the story is just so, so crazy, but he did get placed with a, a foster family. Um, they asked us not to foster because she was making threats to our family. So we realized, Oh my gosh, adoption is hard. (laughs) And we, we, Loved that little boy. I mean, we brought him yeah. home and told AJ, this is your new brother. And, oh, man. Um, you know, and I always say that that was the story that made me decide I need to know more about foster care and I need to know about birth parents. I need to know more because I wish that I had taken the opportunity to, to sit down with her and talk to her and not feel like um, it was us against her. But to understand that we aren't here to, you know, to, I don't know, condemn you for anything, but we're here to love you and your child. I just didn't have those tools and I didn't know what to say. And I felt, I felt nothing but pain, you know, and like what I want to, I want to raise this child and, and you've abused him. And so then she became like, you know, somebody that was not somebody I was talking. I didn't sit down with her. I didn't take the time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Starting and, to shape how you that, that, want to do your yeah, future it adoptions. Yeah, how you, know? you and how mm-hmm. we. Yes, and then I started to say, you know, if we would have sat down with her and had the tools, maybe this would have been a different outcome. Maybe not, but at least I would have 
been able to talk to her. And that's what I always try to tell families is learning how to talk to a birth parent is the greatest tool that you will have in your journey. Mm-hmm. Learning how to love her and her story and adopt the whole story yeah. will benefit you more than you could ever know. And that you might not, you might have a closed adoption, but it doesn't matter that that love that you develop for her as you're loving her child will, will shine through even as you're raising yeah, absolutely. You know, it matters. Children. It matters to your your child. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So now, now we learned that side, and foster care. We said, okay, we're not ready for foster care. Mm-hmm. Although we support the system, and we love foster parents, and we think people are amazing, and when people choose that, we support that. But for us, in the state of Colorado, we felt like it was too much on our family to bring a child home if they were going to be reunified later on. So we decided to go through private infant adoption. Um, We were going to fundraise and we were going to figure it out. We got matched to a child in Florida. And (laughs) this is the one that just like, I mean, it was so crazy filled with, you know, drug use and uh, crooked lawyers. Extortion. We found out lawyers sell babies and women um, have babies for lawyers. We didn't realize that trafficking happened in that way. And many of these women are trafficked women. They were trafficked into Mm -hmm. the sex trade. And so they find that if they get pregnant and they get money for that baby, that's a better way to make money than Mm -hmm. being abused by a pimp. And so they start to sell their children and they, and they're not, they're not bad people. I mean, people hear that and they go, Oh, you have to put yourself in the situation. If you're being abused every night, but you get nine months off and then this lawyer is going to pay you a huge chunk of change. And you might get really nice adoptive parents that love you for nine months and love you, you know, send you money and send you gifts. Wouldn't you choose that over? Yeah. That's a no brainer of trafficking. Yeah. And I'm not talking a few women. I'm talking hundreds of women. The houses filled with them. Yeah. Because I remember flying out there to meet our birth mother, and then I met with a lawyer after, and he said, if you don't like her, I have others you can choose from. Whoa. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, we are in the middle of a charade. We're in the middle of trafficking. We're, and how do you get out? And now we were, how much, like $8,000 invested in, and you know what I found is I really loved her, and I loved birth dad. Like I really loved these people and I listened to their stories and, and these, these were just kids that their hearts were good actually. And they just got into a bad situation, whether it was through poverty or abuse um, or, you know, somebody promising something and that's how our birth mother, she was trafficked first and this was her ninth baby. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Of course she didn't, she didn't choose adoption with her other ones, but just the fact that she had been pregnant nine times was just she lost custody crazy. She lost custody and she was just a broken right. woman and she allowed me to love her. Some, sometimes people don't allow you to love them. You know, they're very mm-hmm. cold, um, but she needed a mother is what she needed and he needed a dad. And so Noah stepped in and we didn't realize we were going to be parenting. <laughs> and they said that to us too. They said, you know, you love us more than our mom and dad love us. Mm. You two have been here for us and known who we are more than than our own parents. And all of a sudden, this adoption became way bigger than the baby. Yeah. 
right? It was like, we adopted the family. We adopted the family. We adopted the whole situation. And, and she called us and said, I'm in a lot of pain. I want you to take me to the hospital. So we flew out there with AJ, who was three years old at the time. Mm. Now remember AJ's had a brother. Now the brother's not with us. And so now we're on this journey with these people who are drug addicts. And so we're (laughs) poor kid. And he was so, like gifted to go through it with us. And I tell people that too. Sometimes they're so worried about bringing their other children involved. Right. But when God is in the midst that he really was very mature for a three year old. Mm-hmm. So here we are with these drug addicts, taking them to, <laughs> you know, taking them to this hospital and trying to get the Medicaid to go through. And she, we found out that the money we were paying the attorney, he didn't give her. And then at the same time he was saying, get, get rid of Noah and April. We'll, I'll find, uh, adoptive family that will pay you more. Oh my goodness. First of all, we didn't even realize that we were paying her. Like the way that they, he worded it felt so dirty and terrible. But then to think that he was going to try to outbid us yeah. was just crazy. You can't even wrap your brain so, around that. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we were like, we have to fire him. We have to fire him. And we had to convince them that this was not a good person and we'd find another lawyer. Um, it didn't take much because when we got to the hospital, I think our third hospital. Third hospital. Because they wouldn't take her because she wasn't in labor and she didn't have any prenatal care. Mm -hmm. They're like, we won't take her. When we got to the third hospital, I pulled the doctor aside and I said, listen, I'm an adoptive mom. I just flew in from Colorado. I will pay you out of pocket. I just want you to do an ultrasound on her, please. And I think the woman was, I don't know, she just had, I remember she was just this kind doctor and she just had compassion and she said, okay. And I wasn't sure how I was going to pay out of pocket either, but that's a whole different story. Um, and she said, okay, I'll give her an ultrasound. And she did. And she came back and she said to the birth dad, these two people right here have probably saved your girlfriend's life and baby's life. She needs to go into emergency surgery. She has an increta. So her placenta has grown into um, her uterus and oh. her bladder. That's why she was in so much pain. Um, the fact that this lawyer has given this woman no prenatal care is terrible. She said this all to, to the birth dad. And so from that point, he was like, loved us, right? So we got rid of a lawyer. We hired another lawyer. Um, they take her back for emergency surgery. They save her life and the baby's life. And then he decides he's going to parent. Birth father. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> he was so traumatized by the almost losing his girlfriend. That I think he was like, well, forget Shook all of this. Yeah. And then I'm sure the trauma of dealing with a crooked attorney. Right. But now, you know, she's, she's taking drugs. So the baby isn't going to go to him. The baby is now going to go into foster care. Right. Yeah. So I'm saying to this, and remember, now I have the tools, right? Now I have the tools yeah. to sit down with birth parents and say, and I said to him, what are you most afraid of? Because we, we want to do an open adoption. Um, you know, we're not taking your child away from you. Are you going to work for nine months to get this baby back? Do you have that in you? Because if you do, we will support you. If, mm-hmm. if you really want to raise this daughter, you know, we don't want to take that from you. Because the worst thing you can do with adoptive parents or uh, birth parents is make them feel like you're taking something from them, right? Yeah, They're absolutely. losing something. Right. So the fact that we're like, we're in it together with you, um, he still wouldn't budge. We're like, fine, you know what? Okay. But we do love you. You think about it. I'm not kidding. We told him what we were going to name the baby. 
he told us what they wanted to name the baby, and it was the same name. Ooh, Lily. Lily. We all were going to name the baby Lily. So we knew the baby's name was Lily. Yeah, that's so we cool. said, listen, you go. we're going to go home. We were ready to leave Florida. We were so done. You know, we didn't know where baby Lily was going to go. We're driving down the road, and we look up. And Big, there's giant billboard that says, open your heart to Lily. I still have <laughs> pictures. Like, I'm not kidding. Wow. And we were like, God, is this a sign? <laughs> Here's your sign right in front of you. Yeah. We turn around, we go back to the hospital, we, you know, sit sit down with birth dad, and we just are like, okay, we're in this to win this. I don't mm-hmm. know how it's going to look, but we're not going to leave you in the hospital or, you know, the birth mom. And we were parents, because we were the ones that could go back there and hold Lily. We were parent Lily um, right now, because this little baby is detoxing, mm-hmm. which is something I said I will never be able to do. I will say no to any drugs. Um, if they were involved, you know, with an adoption story, I just, that's a situation we couldn't handle. And here I am in that situation, handling it. It was the first time that the power of stories, adoption stories, I think really was recognizable to me Hmm. where, you know, we're in this foreign place. Uh, you've got not really foreign it was florida but it felt foreign. yeah in that part we were at it felt foreign and in a foreign situation right, right. like we had no yeah, idea right. what to even do and and you know anybody that's ever gone through detox with a baby knows that it's not something that every doctor and nurse says is the exact same thing right so it's it's very much well this is what they think you should do and so every story sounds a little different so when we started hearing stories of other babies and other adoptive Mm -hmm. families and how they had successfully helped their child or sometimes unsuccessfully, you know, not helped the child detox. Um, It really helped us really understand the power of the story Mm -hmm. was even beyond and not to say the doctors didn't know what they were doing because we had some wonderful doctors and nurses, but it went even beyond medical advice. It was pretty unbelievable. Mm Mm-hmm. Now you guys. Yeah, we. And this is only really two adoptions, and you've like, been through a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, the community that we had at that time brought us through, and like I said, our parents were very supportive, but yeah, they did not cool. know how to comfort us through detox. Mm-hmm. You know, they part of you know part of the advice we got was like you don't have to say yes to this. You don't, ha- you don't have to, and you don't. We didn't. But we did because we, this was our, our mission. This was our calling. This was our, what we felt, hoped for was our child, and we were in it. And, you know, so that wasn't helpful to say, well, just walk away. You know, you don't have to do it. It was more helpful to hear people say, this is how we got through it. Yeah. And, and when I said before, you know, we were handling it, I think that really surprised me. Is I'm a very emotional person. And I just thought, oh, I can't do that because I can't handle it. And it's amazing what what you can step up to the plate and say yes to. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that God comes in and just gives you the strength. And it was hard to see this little baby that was so innocent detoxing. And, and the birth mother came in after, you know, surgery and she almost died and all the things. She wanted to visit the baby. And I had been with the baby for two weeks and at least two weeks at that time, um, maybe a little less. And she wanted to see the baby. So she came in 
And she was holding the baby. She was holding the head and the birth dad's like helping her, right? This is her ninth baby. The birth dad's helping her hold the baby. And I must have on my face, (laughs) there must have been just like mama bear of like, how, how could you do this to a baby? Mm-hmm. Is, is probably what was on my face. Like this poor baby. And you don't know how to hold a baby. And she looked at me and she said, April, don't hate me. I hate me enough. Whoa. Yeah. And that was the point when I knew that birth mothers need love. And this situation that they're in is not what the situation they want to be in. Yeah. Uh, this was much deeper of a story there's so much pain involved no matter if she you know had a perfect pregnancy or she chose drugs there's a reason why she was on drugs right and like it was just my job to love her Mm -hmm. and i i just changed in that moment i can see how you would it's powerful wow birth dad did come around and and birth mom was like, oh, stop. You're not going to raise this baby. We love Noah and April, and this is the parents that we chose. And she was 100% like, mm. this baby belongs with Noah and April. And uh, the lawyer came in. We flew the lawyer in. Oh, my gosh, this adoption cost us so much money. We flew the lawyer in, and, um, you know, we got everything finalized and miracles happened to, to make it happen. And we brought the baby home and it was six months of detox. It wasn't like, poof, everything is great. Mm. It was very hard. And, you know, she still needs extra help and she still, um, you know, she has eye issues and some stuff that is reoccurring from, from some of that exposure. But she just, that adoption changed us. And at that point is, and I was still working for Channel 4 at that time, but I was realizing as I'm telling people the story that people were so interested in the story. And, and then I started to feel like what I was doing in advertising was great for the season, but I wanted to talk about this. I wanted to tell people about what I had learned. Mm-hmm. I wanted to help other families, you know, and, and walk through the journey with them. And so I think at that point we were like, gosh, what is, what is God going to do through this story? But we weren't done adopting because, Lily is Hispanic and AJ is African-American. And he said to us, I love my sister, but she doesn't have my kind of hair. <laughs> <laughs> so we were like, Oh no, oh, AJ, we man. can't, we are, we're good. That's we great. spent all of our money. Um, you know, we are, we're really over our heads basically. Um, the attorney called us with a, a baby and said, you know, I know that you guys are looking for, another baby. We weren't, we weren't really pursuing it, but I have this mother who's pregnant. Um, would you fly out to meet her? We flew out to meet her. And now I'm like super expertise on adoption. So I'm like, she is going to love me. And she did not love me. She loved Noah. (laughs) And no matter how much, like I talked to her, she wouldn't like look at me. She, it was so funny. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Okay. It was a a complete 180 from, Lily's first mom. And were you surprised by that, Noah? I was a little bit, but I also, you know, I felt it, I felt a responsibility, mm-hmm. right? This is, yeah. if this is the, you know, I got, I got the chance to see April with Lily's birth mom. And one of the things that that little agency taught us very early on was always pray for your birth moms. And I always thought, yeah, okay, whatever. But, 
than, you know, seeing and going through the experience we did and watching April love Lily's birth mom. I kind of got excited, like, this is my chance now to step up yeah. and show love to this birth mom because she will talk to me and she will open up to me. Mm-hmm. I was, I mean, it was crazy how I think I was kind of that, um, what she called me, not like an actor, but like this kind of like high pie in the sky kind of a person. And then to be able to just sit down and talk to her face to face. I mean, we went out to Denny's with her one time. I think it was the reality of the situation is I'm just another person. We're human. We're going to have a normal interaction and to be able to talk. What was really an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So she was only six weeks away from delivering. Um, She had had another family that she had picked and then it fell through. So we were kind of like the second family. She did connect to Noah. And so when she delivered, she called us. We got everything in order to adopt and we were ready. And so we got close to the plane. We checked in, sent our luggage, and she texted and said that the birth dad had come to the hospital and uh, taken the baby. And there was really nothing we could do. Like that was it. He chose to parent and it was over. And I, we just stood in the airport. We were literally walking on the jetway when this happened. And it was really the first time that we, well, we had been through that with Peter, but this was felt like a miscarriage in a way. Um, And then we had people say to us, you know, well, you didn't even meet the baby or you already have to, or, and none of those things are helpful because loss is loss is loss. That's when you right. feel grief, you feel grief. You, you can't to. tell yourself, well, you're dumb for feeling this way. It just is such a loss. And I had bought the girls' dresses because, you know, we had Lily and then this was going to mm. be another girl. These mm. matching dresses. And I just remember coming home to, um, to those dresses and to the things that you had bought and the hopes and the, the dreams. And, and it took me a while to come out of that grief. And... Again, the adoption community stepped in where other mothers had said, we had one fall through two. And even though you want, you know, you want what's best for the baby. And choose, and if they choose to parent, it's their right to choose to parent, right? But it's still a loss for you. And you've still invested money and time and a dream that's broken. And so I think that community stepping in and helping me, it was like no one else understood but the adoption community. Yeah. Not even a woman who had really given, really miscarried, because it's different. It's totally different. And so got through that, and I, and I appreciated that because it's good to give yourself time to grieve. All right, we're going to wrap up today. This is part one of April and Noah's story. That's uh, already incredible, and they have just uh, uh, amazing stories, and they've got more to tell. We're going to break this up into the, the next part. So part two is coming up in the next podcast as they tell how they finished adopting all four of their kids. You will be amazed. I, I guarantee it. Uh, so go listen to part two after this one. And I encourage you, go over to infiniteadoptionguide.com. And I got some free cool stuff for you there. Uh, my four free adoption guides. And plus, you can go over to findmyadoptionagency.com. Get that free guide I was talking about at the beginning where you could start your journey to figure out the right agency for you. So thank you so much for listening. Until next time, you're in my prayers as you go on the journey to build your family through infant adoption. God bless. Thanks for listening to my dad.